All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 137. We officially have one football game left in the season, the big game. Um, It's always weird, though, in this week um, where the Pro Bowl games are. It kind of lags to get there to the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, you have the NFL awards coming up, other kind of more fluffy events that surround the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's kind of weird, this this downtime that we have to get to there uh, until we have that, that final game. But um, another fun weekend of football watching that I'm obviously going to get into today. Lots to say about the two games that we got to watch. Um, so we'll get into that. But I have a couple of other things I want to quickly discuss first. Um, talk a little Cavs and then talk a little... Uh, offensive coordinator hire for the Cleveland Browns. The the Browns have been feeding us pretty regularly with news, which has been nice. It's been kind of spread out evenly uh, during this this um, their technical off season, even though football's still going on. Uh, so it's been it's been good to have uh, little random things to keep us going as Browns fans. Uh, but I want to start with the Cavs update. So uh, officially, Evan Mobley is now back on the court. Um, he played for the first time last night. I'm recording this Tuesday, so last night against the Clippers. He is on a 20 to 25 minute um, minute restriction at the moment. He played 21 minutes in that game against the Clippers. Uh, it felt like longer to me when I was watching it for some reason, but he, he did play 21 minutes, uh, 10 points and nine rebounds. Uh, so, you know, not too bad of a showing from him, all things considered. I'm sure just in terms of, um, you know, his conditioning and everything, it's going to take some time for him to ramp up uh, back into his, you know, full form and just honestly getting him integrated back into the roster and to the different rotations that they have been using and figuring out how they want to to fit him in there now. I think it's going to be, um, it's going to take some time. And on top of that, um, Darius Garland is potentially set to return this week. He is questionable now. Um, and I think for him, it's going to be a very, very similar thing in terms of conditioning where it's just going to take some time for him to get back into it. Like his jaw has literally been shut. They like, they like, sew it shut or something. I don't know exactly how it works, but, um, he could not use it for a very long period of time now, which, uh, you know, has probably set him back in terms of his his strength and conditioning. So I think, uh, especially for someone like him and the way that he moves on the court, that's going to take a while for him to really be comfortable out there on the gen. So just want to urge everyone to be patient during this time. Obviously, the Cavs have been really exciting for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they are ten and one in their last eleven games. Uh, and are still fifth in the each in the East, which tells you how competitive the East is. That they are doing that well and are still fifth in the East right now. Uh, just really, really tough conference. But um, you know, you've had all different kinds of guys stepping up. Whether it's Dean Wade, and look, I'm I'm not a Dean Wade supporter to be honest. I have been kind of a Dean Wade hater in general. Uh, but he has been stepping up. Okoro and Niang will have their moments. Struess has his moments. Uh, Sam Merrill has his moments. Like all these different guys are stepping up, and everyone's really excited about it and how they've been getting these wins. I just don't want everyone to freak out if we start losing some more games as the team works to integrate 
Darius and Evan back into um, these rotations. I just don't want people to get too freaked out about it because it very well could happen and could take some time and look better for it to be happening now in January, February, them getting ramped back up than for this to be happening in April right before the playoffs. Uh, they'll, they'll have some time to figure things out here and you hope everyone just continues to stay healthy at that point. Um, and even beyond that, I feel like Donovan has continued to play out of his mind. I, I trust that he will continue to do that as well, having one of the best seasons of his career. Uh, I just I feel good about everything that we are seeing from this team, and they've been really fun to watch. And I think I talked about this last week, but the depth just makes me so excited for what they can do in the playoffs. And look, whatever the matchup ends up being for them in the playoffs, it is going to be tough. I, I just listed off that they're, they're fifth in the East. That's because there's really good teams uh, in the East, and it's going to be tough no matter who it is. So uh, anything they can do to continue to try to push up in the seeding, look, like they could still move up more. It is, it is definitely tight in there and is... Is not, you know, they're not far back by any means. Um, they're one loss back, two wins back from the Knicks. So um, not not crazy far away from them there. Um, same with the 76ers. They're one win and equal amount of losses back. So it is all tight right there within the conference. Um, so two more to come in the, in the coming weeks on the Cavs as the as the football season is wrapping up here. Um, So that brings me to the Browns uh, offensive coordinator hire. So the Browns hire uh, hired Ken Dorsey, who's, um, you know, has some history in Cleveland, obviously as a player, but um, his most recent stop that, you know, has been extremely, I feel like controversial this season was his time in Buffalo. Um, And this was because he got fired, you know, a little, it was over halfway through the season um, as the Bills OC, um, you know, he was, um, the Bills were struggling, I guess I would say, in terms of win-loss record for the better part of the first three quarters of the season. Honestly, it wasn't until second half, the last couple of weeks that they really uh, were, you know, obviously going on a nice streak to get them the two seed and to be able to be in the playoffs, but it wasn't going well for them before that in terms of being able to close out games. I think uh, what's been heavily talked about and what has been so controversial is the fact that the Bills offense was extremely efficient under Ken Dorsey and actually was having a lot of success. They just were struggling greatly with turning the ball over. Um, And that just shows you, gosh, how important turnovers are in games and how much it can swing a close game, just one turnover making such a big difference. Um, Because if the Bills didn't have that, that that could have changed the entire trajectory of the beginning of the season for them. Um, But just to list off like a couple of the stats of what the Bills offense looked like when Ken Dorsey um, was still there, they were third in DVOA, first in success rate, third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, thirds in yards per play, um, second in third down conversions, third in red zone efficiency, second most points scored in that time span, eighth in drop back EPA, um, second in rush EPA. So all of those, obviously, you know, I, I listed off a lot right there. In general, that is in, for the most part, the top five in the league and all of these different metrics for how the Bills offense was performing during that time. 
So they were finding a lot of success offensively, but just weren't able to um, get it done in terms of win losses and preventing those turnovers. I think part of that has to do with Josh Allen as a quarterback. Um, Josh Allen is someone who is going to turn the ball over, but you live with it because of the wonderful, wonderful things that he does for you and your team. Um, and a lot of those turnovers turned into, you know, extremely detrimental plays for the bills where sometimes a turnover can be, okay, you can, you can live with that turnover. That, that interception was basically a punt in terms of field position. Those things happen sometimes, but for the bills, that was not the case. The, the times that Josh Allen was throwing these interceptions, the times that the bills were turning the ball over were in really crucial moments that affected games deeply. So, um, I think that, that, those stats and that color gives some context to what Ken Dorsey was doing there and why a lot of people um, thought that was maybe not the right choice for the Bills to move on and that Ken Dorsey was a scapegoat in a lot of ways. Um, I definitely believe he was a scapegoat uh, for the team's struggles at that time and they felt like, gosh, we're not doing well. We have to fire someone and you're not getting rid of your star quarterback um, and so Sean McDermott said, okay, Ken Dorsey hit the road. That's, that's the only solution at this point. Um, so I don't hate this hire for the Browns. Um, I'll just start with that in terms of my feelings on it. Uh, I think based on this hire, I personally still would like Kevin Stefanski to be calling plays for this team. I trust Kevin as a play caller. I appreciate um, what he has done this last season in terms of, you know, obviously everything I've talked about the last few weeks and, and making this offense so efficient with four different quarterbacks, I think is he has earned the right to continue to call plays for this team. I also appreciate the fact, though, that Kevin is willing to change and bring in different offensive minds and, um, you know, coaches from different coaching trees, coaches that have player experience that can come into this organization and bring in different mindsets and different ways of um, getting this offense to work well with Deshaun Watson. And I, I think that's what he is doing and a lot of the guys he's brought in. And I, I think Ken Dorsey makes a lot of sense for that. A lot of people um, have been you know, comparing what Ken Dorsey did with uh, Cam Newton. Um, and I don't think per se that Cam and Deshaun are like exactly the same type of quarterbacks. There's definitely some differences between them, but you, you figure if you can, you know, bring some of those things out of Cam, hopefully that Ken can help to bring some of those things out of Deshaun as well. Some of those, um, special attributes that the two of them share as a quarterback. So I, I, yeah, I don't hate the hire. I also think, you know, there's not as many, options out there as everyone maybe was led to believe especially in terms of guys that you know aren't going to call plays a lot of offensive coordinators want to for sure be calling plays for their team and I think the Browns were maybe going to go either way on either someone who they want to call plays someone who they don't want to call plays I don't know if they're going to have Ken call plays or not um, but I just do think it was limiting maybe in terms of the who they were looking at to actually hire uh, to bring in the building. So gosh, we will see. This is one of those things that you just have to see it happen in order to have a real opin opinion on it. You can look at all of the metrics on how he has been successful in other areas, but just with the makeup of Deshaun Watson as a quarterback and just as a person these last few years, 
the inconsistency with him is so concerning that until you see it on the field working um, and say, like, you know, we hear from the locker room that Ken Dorsey did all of these great things that helped Deshaun Watson flourish here. Um, we have no idea if this is going to be successful. So we will just have to wait. Um, but yeah, didn't mind the hire, didn't hate it. And that's always a good thing. Um, okay, so let's get into the games from this weekend. Um, I wanted to start by saying I went back to look because I could not remember in my preseason picks episode where I pick all the division winners, the NFL awards, um, you know, who's going to make it to the Super Bowl, all that good stuff. I couldn't remember who I picked for the Super Bowl. And I did, in fact, pick Chiefs 49ers with the Chiefs winning. Um, and basically my reasoning was, uh, you know, I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs until they give me a reason to. And uh, that has... That has served me well <laughs> during these playoffs. I mean, I said it last week when I was picking Chiefs-Ravens. I, I was like, everything is telling me on paper to pick the Ravens, but I cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. I just, I can't do it. I, I feel like he's going to find a way to win, and I feel the same about the Super Bowl. So um, I guess I'll start with that on like my, my thoughts on um, on that game, but I have to take the Chiefs in that game. I think both teams have a lot of experience. Obviously, it's a rematch from the 2020 Super Bowl, which is pretty crazy. I don't know how often that happens where it's a, a rematch that close in time to each other. Um, and these are two organizations that really have had so much stability that there are probably a large amount of players that have carried over from the those 2020 rosters to the current rosters just based on, you know, consistency within the organization and you know when you're when you're that good you like to keep good talent around um I think at the end of the day both of their defenses very good I I you know respect what both of those defenses have been able to do in the playoffs I think at the end of the day it just goes back to me trusting Patrick Mahomes over Brock Purdy and that is why I think the Chiefs are going to be winning another Super Bowl um, so, so that is my pick. Um, I guess we'll start with that before getting into the games from this weekend. So, um, Chiefs Ravens, seventeen ten was the final. Um, you know, this game, I, I was hoping for a little bit more offense in this game because I just felt like it would be more fun, and it kind of felt like that at the beginning that it was maybe going in that direction until the second half when pretty much all offense stalled <laughs> in general, and it was just like a battle of who can run the clock down more. Um, but I, I felt like the biggest takeaway I had from this game in terms of the Ravens was that the Ravens really abandoned their offensive identity in this game. And you see this so often in the playoffs where teams know what they're good at. They do that all year and then they get into these situations and they abandon everything that they've been good at. Outside of Lamar Jackson, the Ravens ran the ball eight times and that if you watch Ravens games this year, was not what their identity was as a team. So I think they're they're receiving a lot of heat and criticism for the decision to not run the ball um, the way they have all year, and you know wondering if they would have found more success had they done that. Um, you know, 
Zay Flowers had his his tough play of uh, extending the ball over the goal line, fumbling, Chiefs recovering. That would have been a score there. So it's not like the Chiefs completely blew them out of the water in this. That that wasn't what happened by any means. There were just a couple of bad choices like that by the Ravens that really, um, you know, they, they gave up any opportunity they had to really try to take a lead or really get in the game at any point. Uh, and I think the difference for the Chiefs was that Mahomes just protected the ball the entire time. He was making smart choice after smart choice throughout the entire game. And I think the Chiefs knew that if they got up in the first half going into halftime and they were leading, it was going to be really hard for the Ravens to be to come from behind. Uh, and what the Chiefs did in the second half was just really run the clock down. Their offense was was struggling, but their yeah, their defense had a lot of success. Um but they were just methodical with the way they were moving the ball down the field. And even if it ended in a punt, um, they still were not making any dumb choices, doing anything too crazy. Uh, and I think that was that was the difference in the game. Uh, and I think this was a game that really reminded me of how much experience matters in the playoffs, how much of the we've been here before mentality is actually a thing because Gosh, as much criticism as Travis Kelsey has received all season for not being the same caliber of tight end that he's been earlier years in his career, he has been vintage Travis Kelsey in these playoffs. And I think that's a testament to him and Patrick being here so many times in the same position and trusting each other and knowing exactly what to do to get it done. Uh, And to the Ravens kind of playing scared. It felt like they knew that they were the better team, that they were favored and uh they played in a way of like just trying not to lose and that just never works you have to play to win you can't play to try not to lose um and uh, yeah I just at the end of the day I think that was the clear difference uh I will say the one cool thing that the uh the Ravens did in that game was Lamar Jackson throwing the ball to himself um when it hit off the guy he caught it and and ran that was maybe one of the coolest plays I've I've seen of all time um so that was that was pretty fun and and that'll be a clip that Ravens fans will be able to hold on to for a long time but other than that really tough showing for them and um I'm sure they're they're concerned going into the future. Um, you know, you have Lamar Jackson. You're always going to be in it. Um, you just wonder how you're going to get over the hump in the AFC moving forward because Joe Burrow is going to be back. Um, you know, you still have Josh Allen in, in the conference. You still have Patrick Mahomes in the conference. Um, you have other guys continuing to rise up like C.J. Stroud. Uh, so it's it's going to be competitive every year. So. Um, it's tough to say like, you know, oh, they'll be back. Like Lamar had tweeted that you just, you never know. Um, it's, it's hard to come back when you're in a conference like that. Obviously the highlight of the game for me though, was the post game of Taylor Swift being on the field. I promise I'm only going to take like two minutes to talk about this, but it was truly the most shocking thing to see her on that field. I thought for security reasons that she would never go on the field. That was not something that I thought was in the cards for her. And to see her down there with Travis and his parents was so cool. And if you hate them and watching them on that screen, you hate happiness and joy and love and anything good in life. There is no reason to be hating on that. They show her maybe 30 seconds a game, maybe 30 seconds a game. 
And then obviously they showed her a little more post game, but that's because it was post game. That wasn't during the actual football game. Um, and if you hate the the two seconds that they flash her up when Travis scores a touchdown, I, I really, I think you need to like reconsider your entire life, honestly, because it is not bothering you. She is there just supporting her boyfriend. She is the most famous person alive, honestly. And they're going to show her for two seconds when he scores and it's not harming you. It's not affecting the game. Everything else is still football. They're not like, you know, mid play while Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball in the middle of the play, flashing to Taylor Swift and you can't watch the catch be made. That's not happening. It's literally just two seconds after the play. Um, couple clips after post game. It's, it's really not, not too bad. Um, so I think people really need to start reevaluating, uh, why it's making them so angry. These two people who are clearly very happy and in love and just enjoying themselves. I, I really will never understand it because I, for one, am getting so much enjoyment out of watching those two. Uh, it's great. It's, I love it very much. Um, okay. So Lions 49ers 34, 31 was the final. Um, gosh, this was, this was the way that Detroit was going to lose, right? Like they were going to go up by a significant amount and then just completely blow it. Uh, it was, it was sad to watch for their fans. And you almost, I, I think because the lions are kind of like the Browns in a way where you, you felt like this was the inevitable ending that it was going to end in a really horrible way like that. Um, and I just really, really felt for them. The big controversy from this game, obviously, was Dan Campbell's aggression and his decision to not kick a field goal and to go for it more than once. Um, look, I, I can understand both arguments on this, um, but I am more apt actually to stand on the side of Dan Campbell's decisions because I think people say a lot of things in hindsight when you have new information, but in the moment, Dan Campbell is dealing with the information he has at that time. They don't like their kicker. Um, their identity the entire season and the reason that they were in this game in the first place was their aggression, was their ability to go for it in those moments. Um, and that's what got them there. And I just talked about with the Ravens on how they completely abandoned their offensive identity and who they were as a team. And that really hurt them. Um, so I, I don't think that Dan Campbell and the Lions should have just completely abandoned who they were and gone with a completely different mindset uh, because they were scared or afraid. I think you have to stick with what you are good at and what you know your team can do. And Dan Campbell trusted his guys. Obviously, it didn't work in this case, but um, I don't think it was like this uh, like insanely awful decision that a lot of people are making it out to be. Um, this game, I think, it just made me, you know, in a similar way to how ex experience matters, I think it made me also think that fluky plays are such a thing in this league and we don't really want to acknowledge it because we want to talk about the metrics and the advanced analytics and all of the stats that tell you what's going to happen in any given game and who's going to make it to the playoffs and the Super Bowl and win it all. Um, and then you just see a couple fluky plays happen, like the one that the pass that hit off the Lions player's helmet and Ayuk caught it. Um, that play happens a hundred more times. He does not catch that ball and it doesn't bounce perfectly off of the helmet into his hands for him to catch it. That is just not something that, you know, goes that way every single time. Uh, but you almost have to account for the fact that football has flukiness to it, especially 
uh, in a sport where the playoffs are one and done. This is not the NBA and the MLB where you have a full series uh, to really battle back and forth. A couple plays can really change what happens in the playoffs. So we can all pretend like we know everything and how certain games are going to work out based on all of these advanced metrics. And then a ball bounces off helmet in a weird way and changes the trajectory of a game. Um, and you're just got to throw your hands up and say, I have no idea what I'm talking about. That was kind of crazy to watch. Can't believe that happened. Um, and yeah, it just that I felt bad for, for Lions fans. Cause that, that play, it was just like, Oh yeah, this is how that's going to go now. This is how this game is going to go now. Um, uh, the other thing with Dan Campbell that I thought was interesting that I kind of briefly mentioned this with the the Ravens as well is he, Dan Campbell mentioned that they might not be back next year. They might not get another opportunity. Um, so he was disappointed because this was an opportunity that they had to really go for it. And people were mad at him for saying that, um, which I don't really get because I thought it was completely honest, similar to the Ravens. You have no idea if you are going to be back again. Um, there's so much parity in the league from year to year. There's always five, six teams that made the playoffs one year that are replaced by a new five or six teams the following year. This happens every single season without fail. New teams are going to be there every year um, because, you know, injury luck, uh, just new talent rising to the top. I mean, who thought this season that C.J. Stroud and the Texans were going to be what they were? Not a lot of people. Um, and that just shows you how much can fluctuate from year to year, even when everyone thinks they have it all figured out. Uh, they just definitely never do. Um, so I think Dan Campbell was honest in saying that, that this was an opportunity they have, and you have no idea if they'll be back again. Um, you know, the 49ers are still going to be in their conference. The Eagles could be back and better. Um, the Packers are a team that's on and up and up. Uh, the Rams have a lot of young pieces that are getting better. You have no idea in that conference if you're going to be able to continue to push through and, um, and, and make it there again. So uh, you can't just let an opportunity go to waste when you have it. Uh, and I think that's what Dan Campbell was feeling and, and communicating in that moment. So I felt for him. I felt for Dan Campbell. Um, I, I do like him as a coach. I, I appreciate what he uh, what he's done for that team. I think it's really been fun to watch, and I was I was sad to see him go down. It would have been really cool to have the Lions in the Super Bowl, but um, we've got 49ers Chiefs. It's um, should be a good game. I, I really think these are are two football teams that are going to compete at a high level. Obviously, they made it there, but sometimes you get a Super Bowl where it feels like wow, I can't believe that team like made it there. It, like They kind of maybe fell down uh, some lucky matchups throughout the way or whatever. Um, but the Chiefs are always going to be a competitive team to watch, and I would say the 49ers have one of the most talented rosters um, of the last you know few years in this league, quite honestly. So I am very excited to watch it. Um, that is all I have for you guys today. I went a little shorter this time than the last couple weeks. I feel like I've been going a little longer lately. There's been so much to talk about, but not as much to say today. So that is all I have for you guys. Um, if you could leave me a reviewer rating on Apple, Spotify, please go subscribe on the YouTube, comment on the YouTube, give me your Super Bowl predictions, what you think is going to happen there. Um, 
love to see uh, anyone's comments. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. We've got one football game left. Um, you know, next week I have no idea what I'm going to talk about because obviously we won't have <laughs> the Super Bowl yet. But we'll see. Maybe there will be some interesting things that happen with the Pro Bowl. Maybe the Browns make some new decisions um, on I don't know interesting hires. Maybe. There's some new Cavs news, so we'll see, but we'll we'll be back. Um, thanks for listening, and as always, go Browns.